sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast we're featuring our forests today and uh, one of the first uh, steps in the process for uh, today's adventure is talking to uh, Mark Dumphy and Michelle Chapman. Michelle's here with me in the studio and Mark's on the phone. Uh, Mark's worked in rainforest restoration for 35 years as a rainforest regenerator, ecological restoration consultant and nursery owner of Firewheel Rainforest Nursery in the north coast of New South Wales. He's a bit of a legend around here. You've probably uh, met him or you certainly will have seen some of the million or so trees that he has uh, planted out there. Uh, Michelle is an active ed consultant. She has been developing programs and facilitating workshops around the world for 15 years, most recently uh, as Education and Sustainability Manager for Green Pop South Africa. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, they have co-written this book, uh, which is, I'm holding up to the microphone, uh, which is the Australian Rainforest Seeds, a guide to collecting, processing and propagation. Michelle, thanks for joining us. Sorry, say that again. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having us. No, I'm just uh, and juggling the microphones is me, the nut behind the wheel. And Mark, you're out there having a chuckle. I can hear you. Hi. How you Hi, going? Here I am walking around the paddocks. Oh, you're you're in the paddocks right now, are you? That's right. Looking at the trees, looking at uh, the nursery. It's uh, it's all happening out here. Oh, great. That's great. Well, look, what is awesome is uh, is this book, which I, I'm, you know, like I, I've got a bit of an interest in rainforest uh, seeds. I went and did a Cert three in horticulture so that I could set up a nursery, but this resource was not available, so I wasn't, I was, I was stymied. Michelle, what, you've you've been, uh, you've launched it back in February. How's the publicity treadmill been going for you? Well, uh, it's been at a standstill. <laughs> really, <laughs> really. <laughs> Yes, um, we were just really lucky that we got to have our launch in late February, just before um, COVID happened, and 400 people, around 400 people came, and we had an amazing evening, um, so we were lucky from that, we actually managed to get a lot of um, publicity, but we're really excited to be back in here today, letting more people know about the book. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, how did how did this all get started? What was uh, whose whose uh, inspiration was this? Uh, was there was there a wake up in the middle of the night and say this is uh, time to go, Mark? Oh well, this was a this was a um, a being uh, basically uh, forced into writing this book due to um, us starting a nursery many years ago, like thirty plus years ago, and trying to propagate all these trees that we had no idea how to propagate and grow and starting to write down things and wanting to learn and understand more about how we're going to get these things to propagate so we could plant rainforest. And uh, and over the years, um, people wanted to know the information that we had gathered. Mm. And so we started writing it down and doing workshops. And the people who came to the workshops were like, oh, this is awesome. You should, you know, you should do a book. <laughs> <laughs> we're like... Oh right, really? Do you think we should? Anybody's going to read this book, you know? And um, and then you know we said, yeah, we're going to do a book. So we started writing stuff down and uh, getting more and more of the information data needed to write the book. And but of course, 
you know, we're busy and uh, the book never happened and people started yelling for the book. And <laughs> and uh, and then over the years, I'm like, definitely going to write a book now. And still, every everything I did to try and get it happening, it wasn't happening. And then, uh, fortunately for me, Steve McAlpin, who's the seed collector and writer, and then Michelle came along. And uh, without them, there's no way this book would have written because between me and Paul Nelson, the other guy who's in the, um, who is an author, we never would have got it done. So, mm-hmm. so it was like a, um, a perfect storm and, uh, and everything came together and, and, and Bob's your uncle, we've got a book. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing how books can, you know, they gestate, don't they? Uh, so was this more like, uh, was this like giving birth, Michelle, or herding cats? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hurting cats <laughs> while pregnant, <laughs> while giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't look like that because it, it is actually beautifully laid out, beautifully presented. It, it, it starts from the broadest general principles of biology and ecology. It goes through the processes of collecting and processing the materials, and then it, and propagation, and then it gives a very like what seems to be a very comprehensive and again beautifully presented uh, list of the species and their 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 all of the different uh, characteristics they have. Uh, you've obviously been at this for a long time, uh, uh, Mark, you know, with, with your knowledge in the nursery industry, but I think I can see uh, there's an educational design aesthetic that you might have brought to this, uh, uh, Michelle. Yeah, I guess that's what I've brought to the table is that I'm uh, sort of a, an educator and a facilitator and I, w- you know, really wanted... So my agenda was to have a guide that would, that anybody could use, you know, sort of from you just someone who's just interested in one tree in their backyard and they just want to know how to, you know, collect the seeds and grow trees for free to, you know, obviously a nursery manager who'll use this extensively to grow hundreds of species in their, in their nurseries. And, you know, what we have, we really want to have more species diversity going out into the bush regeneration um, projects you know, often nurseries just grow what they know. Yeah. And so the idea is that people know more so they grow more. Yeah. And we get more species diversity out there. I know. It's it's, yeah. it's a great strategy. And, and as I say, it, I mean, like you were working... Uh, with some very talented people who we haven't we haven't mentioned uh, uh, Hugh Nicholson's photographs, which decorate and well, it's, which inform people throughout the book. Um, and and are those original photos, Mark? Did 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 Hugh come out and take those specifically for the book? No, well, we were so lucky. I mean, really, we were. And our original concept was um, nothing like this lovely glossy. Um, book we envisaged a much um, smaller black and white thing with mm. drawings maybe at the mo- at the best and mm. then we thought big and thought well why don't we get photos and of course we approached the only guy who you would approach in this <laughs> situation and uh, he's the man and, and he had every photo of every fruit he didn't have to take one photo for this book because he has he has photos of leaves and fruit and flowers of every rainforest tree. Yeah. All we had to do was pick the right ones. So it was a wonderful, easy and and very generous um, of him to um, just you know basically donate them all to the, the, the cause. Yeah, yeah. He's he is a legend, uh, and uh, you know, and there's and you're looking at these photos in this book. It's clear why. Um, so uh, well, look. So you've you've published it through Syro, Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, Syro, we're interested. There was uh, some we were going to self-publish, and then it all became a bit too much. And um, someone suggested Syro, and 
they were very keen and they they have a whole process of you know how it has to be peer reviewed and how it has to be published and the process you go through which was um interesting and um um, and they were pretty good. They were good. They were up, you know, whatever we wanted to suggest or whatever we wanted to do, they were sort of quite accommodating and um, made it very easy for us. Yeah, yeah, wow. And the wonderful thing about going with CSIRO is that, um, you know, they take care of the marketing and distribution Australia-wide and even in New Zealand as well. And they make sure it goes into all the public libraries and the um, botanic gardens, uh, the university libraries... It's even in the National Library. And so this book can be accessed for free um, for people who can't afford it. Well, that um, is fantastic to yeah. know. So uh, so it's been selling quite well even without a publicity push around the country. Didn't you, didn't you tell me that it's sold hundreds of copies now already? Well, it's right? sold over a 1,000 and they're, and they're a thousand. up for a second print now. And, wow. uh, that's pretty good. So that's pretty exciting. And um, so, they're, so, ver- they're very pleased. Cyro, the publishers and the publicists are very pleased with um, the book, even though we haven't been able to do all these workshops we plan to um, to publicise and um, sell the book. At the nursery here, we, we're we selling at least a book a day. We sold eight books last week. Last week. <laughs> yeah, so thanks to all the Northern Rivers crew out there who are getting keen and buying books and activating this book because that's what it's all about. It's particularly focused on the subtropical rainforest, isn't it? It does say Australian rainforest seeds, but it's, it is uh, more or less exclusively about subtropical rainforest. So very, very pertinent to uh, the northern rivers and the, and the surrounds. Yeah, that's right. But actually, we will find that people up north with tropical rainforest fruits will be looking at this book because there is a whole chapter just on the processes that are used to break dormancy in a lot of our rainforest seeds, which can be quite tricky. And those processes can be kind of transferred over to other fleshy fruits and um, that you'll find up north. So, yeah, I think we're going to have more sales. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, if people do want to get the book, where do they go? How do they get one now? Uh, Well, they can come to the nursery. They can buy it from us. Um, here directly at the nursery. They can buy it through Terrania Publishing, which mm-hmm. is Hugh and Nan Nicholson's publishing arm, which, as you know, they've published a whole lot of books. Yep. And they can buy it online through Syro, or they can buy it at the local bookshops, hopefully. you can. Yeah, it's available at all, at all major bookstores, and it's also available as an e-book if you don't, if you don't want to have this... It's actually a very robust field guide. It's something that will stand being outside and in a nursery and in the rain and such. But um, if you want an e-book so you can have it on your phone, you can get that through Syro as well. Oh, oh that's handy. Yeah. That's going to be very handy. Yeah. Well, yes, and, and you know, the electronic uh, version might be some, something you could advance uh, as, as a future project, hey? Take the, uh, take the content from this and turn it into something more interactive. That might be something useful for people to yeah. do on their phones, you know? <laughs> an app. Right. Here you go, a whole yeah. new job for you. There you go. <laughs> Because you're neither of you are very busy, are you? I mean, really. No. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, look, I'm sorry, but we are going to have to wrap it up there. Thank you both so much for spending time with Environmental as Anything today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. No worries. Look, this is great. I'm really, I uh, hope the project goes well. Keep us posted. Uh, if you've got events coming up, uh, let us know. We'll be happy to help try and uh, spread the word. Cool. Great. Right. Thanks, Sean. No worries. Thanks, Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Michelle. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that uh, was Mark Dunphy and uh, Michelle Chapman 
talking about Australian Rainforest Seeds, a guide to collecting, processing and propagation, which is available at all good bookstores and online. You can even get the e-book. Uh, fantastic uh, if you want to help uh, to, uh, to to build uh, to our rainforest uh, heritage uh, rather than just seeing it diminished. of uh, policy vacuums, the uh, New South Wales government have just decided to uh, reprieve our old growth forests, our protected old growth forests that they were thinking of remapping so that they could log it. They've uh, just recently decided to uh, to change their mind on that. And I have on the line Dylan Pugh from the North East Forest Alliance to talk us through how that happened. Hey, Dylan. Hey, good day, Sean. How's your day been? Oh, not too bad. Good. Yeah. This is a bit of good news. You must be pretty happy about this. 
Um, oh, look, indeed. Um, well, happy and sad. Um, uh, happy because, uh, you know, we, we fought for a long time to protect the, the old-growth forest. It, you know, it was a 10-year, basically a 10-year campaign uh, uh, that led up to these old-growth forests being protected in 1998 and included in uh, what they call informal reserves, which are part of the national reserve system. So we had, the, we had to go through a whole process sitting down with the uh, industry and with the unions, uh, uh, with the Forestry Corporation, uh, uh, or State Forest as they were then, and the Park Service in, in overseeing a mapping project to map old growth forests. And then we um, uh, got most of what was mapped uh, protected as part of that uh, process in 1998. Uh, but there were still significant areas of old growth forest left out for the Forestry Corporation to continue logging. Yeah. So. We, we got some protected and we had a, an open identification of it. And then uh, this year, or sorry, in, in 2018, the um, New South Wales government decided they were running out of timber on the state forest. It wasn't enough to meet their commitment, so they decided they would open up old growth forests for logging. Yes, right. So we've overcommitted uh, forests, uh, the, the timber that doesn't exist. So we promised it to our mates, and now we're going to give them the bits that we promised to protect. Uh, it, well, that, that, uh, that were promised to be protected over 20 years ago yeah. and included in the National Reserve System. Uh, you know, the industry has been trying to get national parks opened up for years. It's one of their main aims. They are supported by the National Party, I will point out. Yeah. Uh, and this was seen, I think, as a, an easy for, uh, uh, first uh, step for them where they could get into the informal reserve system and get into these old-growth forests, which, you know, have all these big trees that no longer exist in the rest of the forest. So yeah. they, were, they were anxious to get in there and get, out, get what they could. Yes. So the decision's been made on the basis, according to the uh, well, Peter Hannum from the uh, from Sydney Morning Herald, the article he's written is saying that it's been... Uh, the decision's been made on the, basement, uh, on the, the basis of uh, bushfires have scorched, uh, you know, 100,000 hectares of old-growth forests. And that, uh, you know, the whole idea of mapping their canopies uh, is absurd when their canopies have just been, uh, been incinerated. Uh, yes, that, that's basically the excuse being used. Um, basically 62% of our old growth forests got burnt in the uh, 2019-20 fires. Um, uh, you know, most of that uh, will recover. Uh, some of it will be lost, but most significantly some, uh, some of the, or quite, probably quite a number of the old growth trees, those big old trees with the uh, hollows that uh, wildlife depend on, also burn very easily. And uh, a lot of those have been burnt down in the fires, so there's been a, a massive reduction in old growth trees, both in the old growth forest and across the rest of the forest where there were remnant big old growth trees left. So it, it's, a, um, it's really sad that uh, well, that we've lost so many of those big old trees, but uh, um, and the, the old growth got burnt. But at least they're using that as the excuse now for not proceeding with logging them, which would have been a far worse outcome. Yes, there seems to be uh, an inherent uh, conflict between the relatively progressive uh, Environment Minister, Matt Kane and uh, John Barrell-Laughs, as I like to call him, the uh, Deputy Premier, who's the uh, Minister for Logging. Uh, well, look, indeed, it, it, this conflict's gone on for a long time, um, as long as I can remember, between the uh, Liberal, the, the small-bell Liberals, those who do really hold Liberal views, and uh, and the National Party, who have seemed to have gone more redneck over time, mm. and uh, are just intent on, I mean, we can thank them for dramatically escalating land clearing, uh, and their intent is to try to get into our National Parks uh, 
for logging is you know, they make no secret of that and luckily yep. the liberals have held them back so far and, yeah uh, what do they call it uh, there's a there's a term they use uh, 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 cross tenure sorry cross dual tenure they call it dual tenure and they also dual, use the term nil uh, or nil oh. maybe uh, nil i think uh, tenure where basically uh, all our um, public lands go back into the, the one basket yeah. and then you can log across whatever, wherever you like across those uh, public lands or do whatever you like in it. Uh, you know, so so that w- I think the idea is we have shifting reserves. So you log an area and then you uh, can protect it while you go <laughs> log the area you protected before. Uh-huh. And so you shift across the landscape with this um, uh, you know, varying management. So well, you know, it's been it's taken a century for this community and, and, and those before us to battle to get our national park system in place. And the uh, National Party is intent on dismantling the whole lot in one foul swoop and, uh, and having this new tenure approach where... Uh, just a shifting agriculture type regime. Yeah, yeah, right. So we'll, we'll have, a, have, <laughs> have a, a protection regime, but we're just going to shift it around. How, that's very shifty. Um, but <laughs> it, the cross tenure is, is the term I picked up out of this article, which is obviously there's another there's another way of saying nil tenure, but they're yep. going to have this cross tenure forest management system. But so I, I wondered if this uh, could be hopeful for the uh, you know the the native the public native forests, which uh, you know like New South Wales public are calling to be protected. Um, um, you know, uh, for for the sake of our koalas and other endangered species, whether this argument regarding fire might be uh, applied more broadly now? Um, look, uh, it should be. There's no doubt there's been immense damage done to our forests. We had 2.4 million hectares of northeast New South Wales burnt in the uh, recent fires and like 59% of our national parks. We've had, um, you know, millions of animals killed uh, uh, you know, populations of so many species have been decimated and, you know, they still, they still haven't done the required surveys out there to work out how bad mm. the impacts are. But we, we would have lost lots of populations of our native species, uh, even within our national park system. So, you know, uh, uh, we all, our national park system was already inadequate to start with and mm. there's been numerous assessments that have shown they weren't uh, of sufficient size to protect our uh, viable populations of our wildlife, and uh, now even in our, even in our national parks, many of those species have been decimated. So, you know, it's, it's urgent that we go out there and protect our forests. Um, you know, one thing I like to see is, uh, given the recognition that uh, of the damage to our old growth forests, that uh, all old growth trees out there should be protected, and all those. Uh, suitable to grow into hollow-bearing trees. So basically all trees over 80 centimetres diameter should be protected for a start, yep. like immediately, you know, yep. because we've lost so many of those big old trees that mm. it's going to be having a major uh, long-term impact, uh, like over hundreds of years on our hollow-dependent animals. And there's like about 174 species in New South Wales that use hollows, and some of those need those big hollows designed by big old trees. Absolutely. Uh, I think most people out there would be shocked and, and, and a bit appalled to find that those uh, big old trees aren't actually already uh, protected. So what can people do now? What can you know, like our listeners do today uh, to help uh, get that across the line, to make that, ha- make that a reality? Well, look, it's always political. So, uh, you know, uh, we have uh, National Party strongholds on the North Coast and really we need to get the message across to those National Party ministers that this uh, rape and pillage approach is not on. Um, now, how you do that's another issue altogether, but uh, one thing you can do is try to get the messages into the public arena so that the public start getting concerned and the public start putting 
pressure on the uh, our National Party representatives, but also people can do it themselves directly. You know, ring up your local National Party party member and say, "This isn't good enough. We want this." You know, so uh, uh, really, that's the only way we're going to get a change is yeah. to bring that political pressure to bear to get the community to stand up and speak up. And we need to do it now more so than ever because of the looming threat of uh, climate change or climate chaos that's upon us already. Um, you know, as the fires show, uh, things are going to get worse very quickly from now on unless we can turn this whole situation around. And we need our forests to do it. Our forests take up and absorb a third of the carbon we emit around the world. We need our forests for that. And we're in danger of our forests collapsing at this point in time. So we need to protect them. We need to uh, uh, give them a chance of surviving into the future and, and for us too, because we need those for us for our future. Yes. Well, I think that's um, you know, good words to, to wrap up today, but uh, thanks very much for, for giving us the heads up on that, uh, Dylan, and we'll, we'll talk again soon, eh? Okay, no worries. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, bye. That was Dylan Pugh from the North East Forest Alliance talking about the recent uh, Berejiklian government decision to see sense and reason and uh, not start going back into our protected old-growth forests and logging them. Now we just need to get them to recognise the value of keeping our public native forests intact uh, for, uh, for us all. Next, we'll have a track uh, from Twisted Folk from the uh, Lock On CD, Too Precious to Plunder is the track name. Who will save our old growth forests? Who will keep our rivers wild for all time and for all people? Too precious to plunder Ancient trees and deep rainforest Sacred stones and creatures wild For all time and for all people Too precious to plunder Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental As Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.